You are listening to Beyond B3. You know the deal. Every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, we come to you the second hour, 6.30 p.m. Eastern here. Get Rev Radio, Revolution Media. Um, This is the part of the show where we open up the mics to you. The listening audience, and we 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 have and continue the conversation. Uh, I am your host, Josh Carey, also known as the Hidden Entrepreneur, for the hour. And this hour, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to talk about AI and its further embed and influence on the culture, on pop culture, if you will. And um, we're going to talk about NFTs. And to start things off. Um, I see David Nussbaum in the audience. I'd love to start off with you. Uh, If you can request the mic, and not only Dave, uh, B3 Nation, this is for you to also request the mic. Down bottom, you should see the icon. Go for it. Let us know you have a question, you have a comment, a thought, or a concern, whatever's on your mind, and we'll go from there. Uh, I wanted to bring David Nussbaum up. He is the... Inventor of a, yeah, he's the inventor stage, of a. What the? The stage is packed right now, so we need to have one person go down. Let's go to someone else, and I'll bring David up right after my brother. Okay. Uh, would you like me to go to uh, DJ Max? Let's start off with that. It's always good to see you, Max. How's everything going in your world of DJ? Hey, man, life is good. I minted an NFT today. Is there like an applause? Uh... An applause emoji Actually, that we can that we can put for that. Hey guys, got a special bell for that. One. <laughs> there we go. You're awesome. Thank you. Yeah, minted an NFT and it's trading at a profit right now. So maybe the DGen days are back. I don't know, guys. No shilling, Max. This is a no. God damn it. This is a no-show zone, man. No, Wait, I didn't show anything. I said I minted an NFT. I didn't say which <laughs> NFT. I didn't say who the... you really good. <laughs> I love it. All right, all right. Max, you, you may just want to ask, what NFT did you show? Oh! Sorry, damn it, Alex. God damn it. <laughs> um, so I am part of a thing called the GM Studio which is a generative art studio. So I minted a gen art NFT today uh, by uh, this this programmer called Pesto Boy. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm into the art, man. I think art is coming back. The thing that's gonna let, the thing that's going to appreciate and value, just like art in real life, I feel like art on the blockchain is a thing. Um, so I have no idea about traditional art, I go to a museum. I don't know what I'm looking at, but I can tell you when things are selling out in a deep, deep bear market like this NFT did today. Um, I'm feeling pretty bullish on art. Max, are they are they connected to the to the Gen Art organization of, of the same name, or is that? Yeah, yeah. So GM Studio, GM DAO um, is they you know they're uh, uh, basically like a mint studio, like right, like they curate mint drops for different artists. Um, just like a gallery would in real life. Um, so they've done, this is their eighth drop. They sold out every drop so far. Um, yeah. And it's also like letting artists come into the space and giving them a really uh, easy way to take their art and put it on the blockchain. So they do all the dev work and all of that stuff. 
Um, yeah, yeah, kind of like a hard block slide. Yeah, I mean, for the for the audience that doesn't know, I mean, Google Gen Art, um, it, it, it was really something kind of started in New York and L.A. at least 10 or so years ago. I mean, I think they're in their 16th year of their film festival. Uh, sort of an art basil, but, you know, for independent, not only uh, artists, but musicians, visual artists, fashion designers. They've done, I think, about 100 events since they started. Really, really interesting grassroots organization um uh started by i think melissa newman and a couple of her her friends yeah i don't know if they're affiliated to that one mark but it, it definitely has the same name so that's interesting well that's uh, the question because because if it's the same organization they've got a hell of a lot of cred when it comes to the independent art world art not only uh, uh visual art but also with fashion uh and film um so it would be very curious yeah to know if there was i don't know i'm a so, dj yes. i just see things that are trading at a premium and i and i mint them even though this sounded like the smoothest show in the whole world, I, was I knew nothing about it. I don't own it. Well, you know Alex who launched it? Uh, yesterday. Sorry? I said that Alex launched it yesterday. I said, <laughs> on, man. Anything that Alex I launches, I buy right away. So. Oh, I would too. I agree. I agree. I'm Not by that because. Like so. We never chill here, but it sounded like the best underhanded chill you could ever do. <laughs> Hang on, guys. I got to knock on the door. I'll see you later. <laughs> it's Gary. It's Gary. It's <laughs> Grab the go bag. Grab the go bag. Hey, if, if Gary hasn't come after Ben.eth yet, I feel like we're all in the clear. He's going to be hey, the first knock. Max, can you, can you uh, listen? I know there's a lot of uh, educated, intelligent people in the audience, and they, this is probably uh, going to diminish uh, their outlook on us. But can you spend two minutes to describe what the heck is going going on over there with that i mean it seems to be ridiculous at this point i gotta tell you i think it's the dumbest thing ever um i i don't know why anybody would send money to this guy it's basically like you can go into the backyard put it in your uh you know in the fire and light it on fire it's the same thing um but the wallet got like half a million dollars already in it right seven million dollars was the the second drop that they did um, it, it's, it's uh, what is it called? Psyop. Are you talking about Ben or Psyop? Psyops, Ben. Is that even uh, real of them? I mean, it's real in the sense that he stole the money and <laughs> nobody will ever see it again. The money was real. Yeah, <laughs> that I know. The money's already real. I honestly, I don't know. But like, people tell me, oh, you know, there is no money left in retail. But like, who else is sending money to this guy? Do you know what I mean? Um, I feel like the DJ world is alive and well if this guy gets seven million dollars on a promise. Uh, maybe it's all the Pepe profits. Uh, Thor, did you send Ben any money? Here's the thing: if you're gonna, <laughs> he did send Ben money, but he did get caught up in uh, rug. If you're going, if you're going to invest in a coin called Psyop, you deserve whatever's going to happen to you. <laughs> I'm a bit sorry, I couldn't help myself. All right, moving yeah. on to the next uh, the next topic here. Come on now. 
Yeah, just right. take the take the reins back from these yeah, guns. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Max. Um, so um, before uh, I wanted to bring in the uh, the AI and tech conversation, um, I have David Nussbaum up on the dais with us. David is the inventor of a pretty nifty, cool, unique tech called Proto Hologram. If you haven't seen this, it is making waves and is going to continue to disrupt. The communication industry, the way we communicate. David, first of all, welcome to the Omni Three. How's it going? Oh, thanks. I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm on the dais, which is really, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I haven't been this excited since I was on a dais at my bar mitzvah, and now, now here I am on a dais again. I heard the that. food is better, David. That's the only difference. The food is better. <laughs> so, David, well, uh, you weren't at my bar mitzvah, so. I take it. My mom will take offense to that. I want to get into the the AI portion of your technology, but just to catch everybody up, give us a brief overview on what is Proto Hologram? What are you doing in the tech space? Well, just before you get started, I, I just pinned it to the top of the room so you guys can look at the tweet and take a look at the technology. It's pretty awesome while you're explaining it. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah, look at that. It's one of our newest tweets. Uh, Proto is uh, our take on the hologram technology industry. Uh, we have invented a means of traveling via holoportation. You could beam any person or anything anywhere, anytime, into as many locations uh, at the same time. A person beaming can have full range of interactive, you know, hearing, seeing, communicating, uh, and we're the world's uh, first, according to Forbes, first complete spatial communications platform. So uh, beam, uh, li live beaming in 4K volumetric resolution. Yeah, and I've had the I've had the luxury of really uh, getting front and center with this with this technology. Uh, I've um, I, I've been lucky enough to 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 be beamed to watch it. It's completely interactive. It's totally fascinating. Uh, Dave, what are you doing with AI? How are you incorporating it? Because I know you must be. And was that a complete surprise or? Four years ago, when you first started, did you possibly have an eye on AI? Right. the The idea was to beam people, live people, uh, to communicate in places where they couldn't physically be, whether it was a CEO or an entertainer or or grandpa. And, you know, and you want to beam them into onto stages to do keynotes or do uh, live presentations or maybe just communicate with their grandchildren. That was the idea of Proto. Uh, the the tweet that was just shared that is a um, that's our tabletop unit. But we launched the product, uh, uh, the company with the seven foot tall human sized projection display, like a hologram telephone booth. Uh, AI uh, has always been on the roadmap, but you know, uh, and we all knew it was coming, uh, and it was just a matter of time. So beaming live people places to communicate with real people was the uh, was the plan. Uh, the fact that we can now layer in AI into the conversation uh, is the ultimate cherry on top. And and how, how like is this going to be like a um, like a Chat GPT thing? How are you utilizing it right now? Yes, yeah. so we're launching our Protobot. Our company's called Proto. So we have a holographic AI avatar and. Uh, it essentially is your it's a visual holographic version of chat GPT. Uh, it's incredible. And of course, our technology 
uh, can allow for different uh, parameters uh, and conversational um, limits uh, to be put on our, our, our AI, or you can open it up uh, to incorporate all forms of uh, interactivity. So you'll be walking up to one of our devices in a mall, uh, or you'll be walking up to one of our devices in a gallery, um, uh, or maybe you just have a tabletop unit at home and you're communicating with it and uh, it's generative. So it can uh, obviously fill in a lot of blanks. David, Mark Lepresti here. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, how did you How did you choose uh, Microsoft Chat GPT over the other contenders? And is it uh, an AI, generative AI platform malleable, meaning can you pivot to BARD or another one? We're going to talk a little bit later on Beyond P3, I think, about yeah. the chip that NVIDIA is developing. Is is it is it flexible? And, and why yeah. did you choose Microsoft? Right. We're AI uh, agnostic at this point. Our technology is the display of, uh, uh, you know, putting a visual uh, key to the the uh, the AI interactive world. So, the devices that we sell, the the technology is is proprietary, patented, uh, and very specific. The AI model behind it, um, we're agnostic to. So, we're using ChatGPT because. Uh, that's what, after a lot of consideration, we have about 30-something software engineers. Uh, after a lot of testing, uh, we determined that this was the, the right move for us. There you go. Um, cool. Yeah, what has the response been from the, the tech industry or the AI world, as you've heard? Well, it's overwhelming. Uh, this is... AI is going to incorporate into every single category, into every single uh, profession, whether you like it or not. So either you get on board and you embrace it and you use it, uh, or you're going to be taken over by it. Because there's really, whether it's ChatGPT or whether it's something else, whether it's something that ha happens in the future, uh, this is going to be a very big part of our lives. Um, I happen to think that it's going to change the way people um, com communicate with a visual medium. So I know that it's being used quite a bit. I'm seeing a lot of stuff with, uh, with Photoshop and, uh, and with storytelling. And, uh, you know, I live, in, I live in Los Angeles, so we're always talking about the writer's strike uh, here in Los Angeles. And, and all of these uh, professions, all these categories are really being, um, you know, heavily scrutinized by how is AI going to either improve or or hurt these different professions. So uh, with our technology, uh, we see this as a huge benefit to our customer base. That is amazing. Dave Nussbaum, ProtoHologram, thank you so much for joining us. Feel free to stick around. Also, B3 Nation, this is your show. This is for you. You got a question for Dave about proto technology, hologram technology, the use of AI or anything of the sort. Hit that request mic button and we'll get you up. Dave, we'll talk I got to a quick question. Yeah. I got a question for Dave. Uh, I was wondering, is your technology the one that I've been seeing like at in New York over the last two years at a lot of the Web3 events? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were at the Web3. Uh, on Fifth Avenue. We've done quite a bit of 
NFT New York City or NFT LA. We're doing that's what it was. Yeah, it's incredible. The technology is just mind blowing. It's probably one of the greatest things. A friend of mine was running an event past Vegas and she had it there and it was just incredible. Like, how much are the smaller units? Because to have something like that on the desk seems like the best gift and best idea a business would ever want. Yeah, they go, they retail at 5,900. Uh, for this, for the tabletop units, and I never thought of it being used as a as an art display, whether it was you know mainstream traditional art, uh, gallery art, or NFT art. But uh, we when about three years ago, I it was one day I don't know we did Reuters or something, and we got or we were in some kind of a trade paper and the next day i woke up to hundreds of emails of artists and gallery owners saying how do we create nft art uh to just a proto uh with the shadows and reflections and otherwise taking uh, a digital two-dimensional image and creating a volumetric very real very solid looking projection and so uh ever since then our production department has been very very busy training artists how to create holographic artwork um, and since then, Christie's and other uh, more mainstream galleries and, and museums uh, have bought a bunch of art displays and they're using them uh, to beam real artwork from wherever they are into all different locations, uh, saving a lot of time and money, but also saving the environment. By, so you're not shipping physical it's worth billions of dollars, but actually beaming them there prior to auction. So it's uh, it's great. And then, you know, we've got a lot of like influencers and celebrities like Logan Paul or Paris Hilton using them to beam uh, collectibles and other things to different events. It's, it's pretty it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It's really exciting technology. It really does allow people to it reminds me of those displays in uh, South Korea and Japan that are like around the building and then they're designed in a way to look like the images coming out of the mm-hmm. building at you. I think your your display technology really allows for that 3D aspect that really kind of, I just think it would be really spooky to be talking to someone in a different country while you're, you know, looking at that machine in the future of a Zoom call going through it. It would be pretty wild. Very cool. I, I was uh, I was in Australia this morning. I was in Barcelona this afternoon. Uh, I'm constantly beaming into meetings uh, from, I'm in Van Nuys, California. So I stand in front of a camera, a single camera. I could be in front of my iPhone and in real time I appear like I'm physically in these spaces. So although I'm having a bit of a kind of an upscale Zoom experience, the the people on the receiving side are seeing me like I'm actually there. And so for them, it's more engaging, more interactive. It's more real. And therefore, uh, it's just a, a higher ability. We're using it to communicate using uh, uh, American Sign Language, which is more of a spatial language. So it's a um, kind of a versatile uh, type of technology. Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. I think there's so much future in there, especially with the AI portion, because at this portion, we've been testing with uh, Photoshop's beta and how you Mm -hmm. can lasso any section of an image, ask it to create a generative piece, gives you three options. I just did a video myself on it. I just think it's amazing that you could eventually go into a video and I could change the shirt I have on, put a hat on, some sunglasses all of these things yeah. to the style and color I want. And it would look real too. That's yes. the spooky part about it. it I love really some videos of the Mona Lisa and the last supper with the new Photoshop generative AI. And I like how, like when you kind of pull away from the main shot, like what, 
what the AI kind of sees, fills in. what's yeah, filled in, and what's happening. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, I've been taking a lot of friends' artwork and doing that and just pulling it back and seeing what it generatively mm-hmm. fills in for it. It's it's amazing. It's very, very quick. And to think it's just the infancy of it as well, which is really wild. Right. Well, you blink and then technology could just evolve so quickly. Like, imagine if you, you know, what 10 years from now is it going to look like? Because, I mean, when you think about it, a very few of us had mobile phones, smartphones just 20 years ago. And now it's, I don't who doesn't use it for every single thing in their lives yeah it's crazy yeah you started this um you know small handful of years ago and 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 like you said who knew ai would be this opening up literally an entire division and and in a further business model for you so we have no idea what's next or do you uh, well, I know how I'll be using it. Uh, it it's we we're, we um, I'm very fortunate that I'm sur- I'm the least smart person in the room. I am surrounded by a bunch of brains with arms and legs, uh, otherwise known as my software engineers, <laughs> and they the stuff that they're doing with our, with our technology, whether it's with AI or with some of the other interactive elements, it's it is the stuff that you would see like in Minority Report or any of these movies like the uh time machine with different holographic projectors um we kind of look into the future we look at, maybe we actually look into the past at films and science fiction and say can we do this and then we're and then we're doing it you know little by little we chip away at absolutely amazing keep up the great work we're all following along again thank you for your time david you're uh, welcome to stay and uh we'll, we'll connect again soon you got it thanks a lot there you go, B3 Nation. This is Beyond B3, your show. Uh, you could either request the mic or you can DM Get Rev Radio right here, or you can post on the thread and ask your question like some are. Um, I want to bring uh, Chet into the conversation. Yeah, man, talk to me. Hey, Josh. Uh, nice to meet you. And it's great to see you, Thor, as always, uh, old friend of mine. Um, great to see you running these spaces. It sounds like a lot of good information here. I did have one question. of that still was being talked about earlier. Um, and it looks like, you know, they probably will come to an agreement. The vote will happen. Uh, do we anticipate, though? Because, like, I, I, I'm starting to see, like, this, uh, like, in the credit default swaps market, this kind of pattern of get, it getting worse with every cycle. Do we think that, that there's a breaking point that it eventually maybe in the, the Next time they actually approach this in 2025, it doesn't actually come through. Well, I'll I'll grab that one and just to kick the conversation off. Chet, great to have you with us. Uh, welcome to the B3 Nation. Um, I think the short answer is yes, unfortunately, right? And you're very astute to point out this, you know, the CDS market, which is what we and a lot of other smart money traders look to as a gauge as to whether or not we sort of get you know closer and closer to the to the danger zone. But I think you only need to look to the level of partisanship and rhetoric and how, unfortunately, uh, a lot of electeds uh, currently in the House in particular, you know, are are using this as political theater, are using this, you know, to garner more supporters who tend to be, I don't want to say radicalized, but tend to be uh, very vehement in in their views to, to the right or to the left. And that does not bode well for the next time this comes up, nor does this bode well even before then for for an agreement on the budget. As I always remind people, 
this is only part one of the bigger problem, right? This is about raising the debt ceiling. This is not about uh, the budget, which is which is the next uh, political theater that we have to look forward to. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think we, we do get closer to the likelihood that we might in the future not reach an agreement. And I think that's why you have, while I'm not a huge fan of the credit agencies, I think that's part of why you saw Fitch did what it did last week in terms of putting the U.S. credit rating on Credit Watch negative. Mark, do you think if the deal gets done here, it's going to be a sell the news event? Uh, that's a very good question, Thor. There's a lot of people that are suggesting that it could be a sell the news event. I think that's a possibility. I don't have uh, probabilities or, or numbers to put uh, uh, along with that to suggest what the percentage probability is, but I think that there is a, a, a decent chance that it could be a sell the news event. Yes. Another question off the back end of this, because you just uh, brought something to my mind, as we've been watching this sort of tech bubble burst uh, and, and overall overvaluations burst as the Federal Reserve's had a high rates and some quantitative tightening has happened, granted, not quite at the rate is one would have expected to already by now, but uh, because they did so many backstops for the bank failed. But, but uh, do we see AI and the increased productivity from that actually being a way to potentially keep this basically like a, side, a, side, a sideways consolidation market for the foreseeable future um, and then eventually it pulls out? Uh, or, or do we see it uh, as eventually valuations do have to come back to normal as the Fed continues its rate hiking cycle? Well, so if, if you're talking about it as it relates to the tech sector, I think that is a trend that you will see over time. But I think over a longer period of time than than perhaps your your question implied, or at least as as I took it, um, I actually think uh, that when, and I think we are, as is evidenced by the commentary that uh, myself and the other market masters have provided on this space, tend to be fairly bullish on on tech for the balance of the year. Um, you cannot help but listen to the commentary that came out from the CEO of NVIDIA in association with their you know, incredible uh, earnings report uh, in terms of how uh, AI will continue to lift most, but not all uh, segments of, of the chip sector. Um, but yes, I mean, eventually valuations do need to come back down to earth, but, but I don't think that's a, a near-term concern on my part. But I, I see my friend Rob Nunn has the mic and has been brought up as a speaker, so Rob, feel free to disagree with me, please. I wasn't. I wasn't going to disagree with you, Mark. I'm just going to come up and say that um, AI's adoption is overhyped in the short term. So you're going to go through several market cycles before you see adoption in the way that we think adoption is going to happen. So just you know, prices being what they are today would not be reflective of what market adoption looks like in terms of helping execution. I think in, a, in the short term, this is a very hyped bubble. The great thing about uh, bubbles is that they tend to start long-term market trends. And so I'd be looking to long-term market trends instead of the short-term opportunity, personally. I don't I don't think AI is a bubble. I think AI is like... Well, you kind of want it to be thought, to be honest, because that's how all good things start. They start as a bubble. People get overexcited. They overinflate too quickly. And then that sets the long-term adoption that's happened with most technology adoption. There's always It's always started with some sort yeah, of bubble. There was a smart investor um, that may or may not have the microphone right now that said not too long ago on the spaces that if he sees one more business plan that has AI associated with it, yet it has absolutely nothing to do with the core business model, 
um, that, that he was going to throw his toys out of the sandbox. And that was, of course, you, Rob. Spoiler alert. But it, it, it reminds me, and I was around at the time, uh, although in a different position, it reminds me of the heady days in the beginning of the dot-com bubble, where anything that uh, had dot-com after it, whether or not there was any reason for it, uh, it did well and attracted all kinds of capital. I mean, all we need to do is look at, <clears throat> while the rest of the VC space is, is sucking wind right now, thanks to Silicon Valley Bank and a lot of other factors, AI is a space that VCs are just throwing capital at right and left. Yeah, we were talking about this on another space the other day, you know, how you know, if you put AI into a presentation, investors get all giddy about it. And I think that's you know, that's fine because they're investing other people's capital. We're a family office. I invest my own capital. I'm sick to death of it because you're sort of like, okay, I understand why companies are needing to do it. I really do. But, um, you know, from a from a fundamental, because they, they're looking to raise capital, they need to, you know, um, they need they need that cash flow, and so they're gonna they're gonna say what the investor needs to hear in order to get that capital. The reality is that if investors are getting more excited about uh, business because it's got AI in a presentation, which is currently happening, that means they're not looking at the fundamentals, which just indicates a bubbly environment. Not to say that there is necessarily a entrenched bubble, but you know, Nvidia's stock movement is not normal uh, relative to even the most lucrative the fundamentals of the business have not changed in the last three months and yet the stock price is doing what it's doing and i can't help but feel like it's it's fund managers looking for returns on otherwise you know crumbly looking portfolios and they're flowing to opportunity and you know it's going to be a bit bubbly in that sense so and, and my concern is you know any company now whether or not it's a major company and you've got you know funny clips uh, which I don't find that funny if you're looking at it from a business perspective. They're hilarious from a personal perspective, from a business perspective. If you've got, you know, the CEO of Google clip AI, 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 you know, talking about it in a presentation, and that's all very funny. Um, but from a fundamental business standpoint, it's not that funny. It's it's kind of like there's an indication that something's a, a bit amiss. You know, young, I've had two, to, to quote my, to edify my point from last week, you know, I've had two presentations today sent to me that are not AI companies that are leading with AI. I didn't even look at the executive summary of one of them. I'm just so bored of it already. So I just think that that's, that's the cycle that's going to happen. This is something that goes hard to do. I think we're away. My bad. Uh, I think I'm about, to, I'm about to head out. I'll just leave this real quick. Uh, something across wires, as you were saying that, which is yeah. the HP CEO. Uh, they just said they're working on building an AI-powered PC with key partners. So uh, just another one of those headlines dropping. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and head out. This is awesome. Uh, I only had a short time to be here, but definitely we'll come back uh, again. And get, uh, good to see you. Thank yeah. you so much. Real quick on the AI, why I don't think it's a bubble. I think it's still, it's not till we see these smaller companies mooning at crazy stock prices. Like I'm thinking late 2024, 2025. And yeah, AI is in every deck and in every conversation now because it's that, it's that, I just got a phone call. It's that fundamental. Um, Michael, I saw your hand up. I had a, a good lunch with Michael today and Max. Um, but I, I think we're just still too early in this AI to call it. I think we have a ways to go. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I think just look at Google search results. That's always the best indicator. And today, 
if you look at the Google search results relative to metaverse, relative to other things that have come up and uh, up and down, of you know, not to say that they, you know, the th- funny thing about people who indicate bubbles is that they think that after a bubble, the whole thing dies, and that's not true. Um, but I think it's, I don't think we're in an established bubble yet. I do agree with that. I just think if I was looking for characteristics that might indicate one, they are the, the dashboard would be flashing lots of red light. Not all of them red, but there's like half of them are flashing now that the, the indicators are being hit regularly. Well, so, I, I'm pro AI. And you know what? No, yeah. Everyone's talking about AI. No one's talking about quantum computing, you know, which is flying under the radar, which is another huge thing. Max, what's up, my, my brother? Yeah, you know, quantum is a real ways away, Thor. Right? I mean, sorry, Max, just gonna real quick. I mean, I mean, quantum. You know, and and we've been investing in quantum and 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 quantum, particularly from the perspective of using quantum solutions for cyber to what's anticipated to be the the coming threat of quantum computing. And every time, you know, I'm on another uh, conference call or Zoom about. You know, when we actually might see the advent of quantum at scale, it keeps getting pushed out, you know, three years. I'm sure, Rob, you probably agree with that from the stuff that you're looking at. I do. I do. Yeah. Quantum's going to be an amazing and also mildly to extremely terrifying uh, leap in, in, a, in humans' abilities to compute things and manage data and, 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 and. And it also, like, you know, in my sector, so one of, one of the sectors we're in is uh, energy you know, it's it's like fusion energy. It's always a little bit further away than people expect. It is coming, and same with artificial intelligence. You know, we we're living in a machine learning, artificial intelligence early adoption phase, uh, which is fantastic. Of course, we're going to get excited by that. Massively pro AI. I think AI is going to be an enormous unlocker to human advancement. Um, it's going to enable people to execute that otherwise can't execute, and therefore you're going to unlock the potential of human ideas, which will solve most of the problems that we we have today and create whole new ones for us to look after and worry about um but uh that's massively exciting right now though the indicator for me is that that would be a bit bubbly at the moment um in, in terms of its adoption and nvidia is perfect example of that but max I, I talked over you go ahead max yeah i mean i agree with rob all of this new tech follows amara's law in my opinion which is that we overestimate the impact of tech in the short term and underestimate it in the long term so when all of this new technology comes about, just like blockchain, everybody's like, oh, it's going to be everywhere. And then there's a bubble, everything slows down. But in the long run, this is definitely revolutionary and going to be everywhere. I'd like to bring up uh, Michael K of WalletGuard. How you doing? You have the floor. Thank you very much. And awesome to be here with you guys. Loving the conversations going back and forth. Um, I'm going to have to agree with some of the sentiments here regarding it being a bubble, but I also disagree to an extent. So I think that it is definitely oversaturated. Once these tools were presented to the public, a lot of people started to just take it and slap their own logos on top of it and kind of push it as their own product. And I do agree that a lot of companies, if you don't have a product already and you're coming out of the blue with AI, to me, that's a red flag. I think that Companies that already exist can take advantage of AI, like we're doing at WalletGuard, in order to further accelerate development. And the part where I think that it's uh, not necessarily a bubble is the concept of having the tooling that 
is able to progress the user input as opposed to something like the dot-com bubble where there were central authorities like domain registrars that were making all of the money. In this case, you're kind of turning it around after the fact and saying, hey, we're providing a tool that lets you as a user scale a utility, scale an application that you can take to a whole nother level with something that's freely available. So we don't even have to you know, pay to use half of these tools. So uh, you know, I definitely am, am against the concept of it being a bubble completely because of that fact. But I do think that it's definitely oversaturated. There's a lot of people doing doing a lot of basically smoke screening and not really coming up with anything, just uh, rehashing and reusing what's already there. Michael, just on that, I mean, uh, for, for everybody listening, I just want to clarify. When I say bubble, what I, what I don't mean is mass adoption of a tool. I also don't mean you know, practical uses for, for companies with their existing data sets that can use it in order to better execute against their own data models or their own data, uh, all that type of stuff. Specifically, what I mean about bubble in, is, is the economic definition, which is the rapid escalation of values outside of any major change in the business circumstance. And that's what we're seeing in the market in terms of people are pushing valuations of private companies by using that without changing the characteristic of the company. NVIDIA, again, brilliant company, by the way. I'd really like NVIDIA as a company, but you know nothing has materially changed in the last three months to suddenly see this stock doing what it's doing. And so that's what I mean by bubble. The adoption of the tool is excellent. That's revolutionary. I do agree with what everyone was saying. I just wanted to clarify that bit on bubble. And again, you are listening to Beyond B3 right here on Twitter Spaces, Revolution Radio. Please do follow Get Rev Radio right here on Twitter so you never miss a moment. Follow Get Rev Radio and follow your fellow spaces here. Uh, this is the community. This is your community. Step in, step up, be heard, share your thoughts and your comments. We're going to carry on with the conversation. Mark, should we go to uh, NVIDIA? It's been brought up. AI certainly has been brought up. Uh, they're planning for some use of generative AI domination, it seems, as they introduce AI supercomputer to create a chat GPT successor. You've heard about this. What do you think about them? Yeah, well, the competitor, right? And and to actually, I believe the the news was that NVIDIA was coming out with a, an AI specifically programmed chip, right? On, on, not unlike uh, the chips and servers that are specifically programmed to support gaming. So, uh, you know, I think this was the, the timing, uh, not coincidence on the part of NVIDIA to make this announcement to sort of further support, as we saw the way the stock behaved today, to further support the bull run in the stock. Uh, but I think we're going to see that's an indication of, of the beginning of some pretty serious competition, not only on the software and the coding side with, with so many people uh, building uh, LLM layers above ChatGPT4 or BARD, uh, but also actually at the hardware level. And it's crazy that one of the uses, I mean, how specific they get, they say that they're going to utilize this AI to help give background characters in games more character. I mean, the nuance of that statement is just mind blowing. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it sort of follows along with the with the guest, uh, Mister Nussbaum, that that you brought up, right? That's using AI to fill in the, the, the background, right, or fill in the blanks 
uh, to make the the uh, presence of the individual that's using that tool more robust. I think this is no different, and and it's an indication of what's to come in a big way. Mark, did you see the keynote? I, I didn't. Which keynote? Uh, Nvidia's keynote. I would I would highly recommend everybody goes and watches Nvidia's keynote for what they're preparing to do because that is it was a mind blowing keynote in terms of their like some of the things that they were showing off their capabilities it was crazy yeah i just pinned one of the tweets here to the top it was his first keynote in four years and um people are saying the most show-stopping moment was this uh, ai video game presentation basically a human speaks to the video game an npc responds in real time and the dialogues generated all with ai on the fly yeah uh, no, so- no no scripting nothing and they did a live demo and it worked perfectly and i was like what the heck i mean that was just it was it's really worth watching just just to give a flavor of the company and rob that's what kind of watching some of that keynote uh this morning i was like "Mm, i don't think we're in that we're not in that final stage of the bubble yet like this thing is uh it's like when the automobile and the light bulb was invented this is a fundamental tech that's going to change history forever and yeah we're still i think we're still like halfway through that first stage of the gartner hype cycle where this innovation trigger has come and we're just kicking the tires and looking under the hood, man. Thor, that's that's the second time that you've mentioned the Gartner Innovation Hype Cycle. A really brilliant thing for you to point out, but for the unindoctrinated, please tell our listeners what that is. Yeah, so the Gartner Hype Cycle, is, and if you Google it, there's some really cool stuff on it. It's basically you get a tech trigger that happens. You get this huge, if you want to compare it to the dot-com bubble, you get this huge rise and you come to this peak of inflated expectations. You know, if, if you're looking at the dot-com, well, that's like the pets.com, the price line negotiators, where these like silly websites that kind of didn't end up being the market share conquerors got these really inflated valuations. And then this delusionment trough comes and everything crashes down to almost near the level where it all began. And then that's when you kind of get this slope of enlightenment and you get this use case and these these problem solvers, the Amazons of the world. You look back at the dot-com bubble, it wasn't until like 2010 that Amazon started to show a profit. And then that plateaus into like productivity and just like, uh, you know, you could call it a golden age of sorts. How's that? How does that feel, Mark? I, I think you did a great job of explaining what that is, but I, I, I try on this show to make sure we, we we throw around some of these concepts that we actually give a little bit of a, a, a tutorial on what they are, because uh, that was really, really well said. Josh, who do we still have that wants to come up? Uh, hey, I uh, see Alessandro has joined uh, yeah. us on stage here. Yep. Alessandro Patton. And I see Michael has his hand up. Uh, yeah. Go for it, Michael. Yeah, just wanted to say, think about the concept of developers now being able to take, for example, an entire book and feed it to an AI language model. And now you don't even have to write script. Now you don't even have to have voice actors. Being able to generate all of that content and create a story behind something, that's going to accelerate growth tenfold. It's pretty amazing to see what it's going to do, especially the way that NVIDIA did their did their keynote. Hey, guys. Can you hear me now? I, I totally yeah, yeah we got great so i just wanted to add this like you know there's a quote that like i wanted to kind of share with you guys and glad to be on the show again um you know the guys that invented 
refrigeration aren't the ones that actually made money with refrigeration. Coca-Cola did, right? They, they brought Coca-Cola around the world to eventually bring us cold Coke. So I'm looking at NVIDIA right now, and I'm saying, okay, they're doing a lot of this AI-driven uh, content. Are they, are, they, are they the ones that are going to build the refrigerators, or are they doing both, right? Are they going to be the ones that provide us the refrigerators and the tools to bring AI to the next level? That's a question I have for all of you guys is where do you think it's going? Because the adoption level of and all of these new technologies that are out there right now, it's exponential, right? And I understand what Rob was saying earlier with, oh, people are just rebranding it and throwing AI and decks and all these other things. But I think there's actual people that are using the tools that are being backed and pushed by these technology stacks to give us these new innovative companies that are coming out there. And yes, they are going to be annoying and they are going to be um, different ways to gauge these new companies as far as you want to invest in them. But I don't think that any one company should have the control over all of this, this, this stack. I mean, what do you guys think? I think NVIDIA has a one-up on a lot of different companies because they have their hands in both the hardware and software line. They got the manufacturing, they got the developers, so they're able to basically combine both at that same time and capitalize on it. I wonder where we've heard that before. I'm sensing a, I'm sensing a man in a turtleneck who built a company. I can't remember his name. <laughs> so it's Jobs, something like that. I think that's the Dutch pronunciation, Rob. It's, it's Yobs. Yobs. Steve Yobs. Yeah. So, I mean, take... I say this from my iPhone. Yeah, and as am I. But so, in, in, with with that thought in mind, right, if, if NVIDIA is giving us both, do you think that the the technology stack that Microsoft is putting on top of their ownership value within the chat GPT and open AI architecture, right? Um, can they, can those two companies really control the AI market, right? So you've got open AI that was supposed to be free. You've got Microsoft's investment being driven by NVIDIA's backend processing technologies with the exception of Bing search as being one of the propellants. And then you have Azure backend infrastructure I, I just don't know. It just seems like one conglomerate can control all of the, the power if it's not, you know, built with my, you, know, you get where I'm going with this here? I do. And my real quick, my bet, not financial advice. I, I don't think the video is going to be, um, you know, sustainable, long lasting, or at least I don't think it's going to go higher from here. And I'm basing that on one reason, Mark Kramer, he named his dog NVIDIA. And you know what? I'm not going to breathe. God damn it! Well, yeah, but who who's put the shorts off? Who's gonna who's gonna usurp them though? Like AMD's not like really focused on creating a suite of products on top of their GPUs, right? Um, Nvidia has been at this for a, a long time, right? Um, I, I went to conference in 2017. 
and it's it was machine learning nvidia is getting into this they're they've been building this narrative for quite some time i just don't know who other than what you mentioned earlier with quantum computing like i just don't know you know and uh, sandro it's probably a left field startup and i'm gonna being a brit on here but you know most of my most of my businesses are in the states because that's how that's how a european can actually make some money in in the world um you know the chances are uh it will be a left field so for example the motor industry far too entrenched tesla comes along in fact just in technology itself ibm's the big behemoth should have killed off microsoft microsoft comes along and actually you know now now infinitely bigger and so it's it's likely to be some disgruntled executives across all these companies that don't like the way that they their products being built they're going to flip out of that form a startup and that'll blow up in five seconds and, and actually dominate i agree with you there i agree with you there because it was bomber and and gates's deal with ibm that propelled microsoft forward right 100 percent I think actually Microsoft killed itself by backing OpenAI instead of acquiring it very early. Yeah. Well, we, you had Musk back out because it conflicted with his own AI technology, right? Musk is a hilarious one because, like, you know, I love the fact he's like going to sue them uh, and and causing all this public drama. Essentially, what he everybody's like, Musk is just upset. Yeah, sure, he's throwing his uh, his toys out of the pram a little bit, but what he really wants is disclosure at a court level to see what they've got. That's what he wants. And he'll probably pay through the notes. For for those of us that don't know, again, making sure that our listeners are fully informed, what's a pram? What's a pram? (laughs) (laughs) We we say throw the toys out of the sandbox. Oh, my goodness. Right, okay, yeah. So throw your... pram, uh, is that like something you put a baby in? Yeah, that's that is a uh, this is a device um, uh, that you place a small infant child in for the purposes of transporting that child uh, with relative ease for the adult attending. Ideally, the parent or guardian. It's a goddamn stroller. Yeah, this guy's the name. The Bram patents filing. That was that was brilliant, Rob. As always, that was brilliant. Max, you've had your hand up for a long time. Yeah, listen, I wanted to bring Michael Kane to the conversation because um, I want to know if there's one thing AI can do, and that is to help people not sign transactions in their wallet um, that people can, you know, take all of their money and all of their NFTs and then sell them in the open market. So has their AI technology caught up to that yet, Michael? Yeah, so we've actually just launched last week Chat Web 3, which contextualizes a lot of that input into a skill set. So there's four plugins that we've made that revolve around cryptocurrency, NFTs, DeFi. And essentially what you do is once you jump on, you state whether you're new to Web3 or you're a seasoned trader. And based on the transaction, based on what's going in and out of your wallet and the website that you're visiting, you're actually able to launch our learning model with a hotkey and let it contextualize everything that's about to happen. So Essentially, you know, all these questions that we get asked from people that are very curious about crypto, NFTs, DeFi, we're able to speed this information to chat web three, streamline it to the user, give it completely different responses than what you'd get from chat GPT. And also the most important thing is outline the fact that something is a scam, is a malicious transaction, is a wallet drainer, because at the end of the day, we're not going to onboard the next hundred million users into web three 
when people can lose everything in a single click. That's one of the biggest hurdles to adoption and being able to show that to the user and basically make it as easy as using an ATM machine. That's That, I think, is one of the key elements that's missing to basically bring the masses on and to reduce the scams that we're constantly seeing. Michael, what is the first step in that? Because as a, um, let's say as a layman online, I see somebody say, hey, this is a great thing to buy. Click on this link. Then I click on it and it'll say, you're here. You're wonderful. You can mint, connect your wallet. Where do guys come in? Yeah. So we actually come in before you even enter the website. So there's multiple heuristics that we're looking at when you're accessing a a link that's in the Web3 space. For example, the DNS records, the public who is information, when the domain was registered. Is it trying to mimic a legitimate DEX, a a legitimate NFT project? Um, You know, is it is it misspelling the way that OpenSea or Boarded Yacht? Yeah, the misspelling, crazy. Yes, the misspellings are the ones that get people the most. And using fuzzy logic, we're able to, without having to blacklist or whitelist anything, our machine learning and fuzzy logic picks up recently spun up websites, copied websites, checking metadata on those websites and making sure that they're truly unique and applying these weights so that without even having to enter the site, connect your wallet or run a transaction, we identify that there's a wallet trainer. We identify it's something you don't want to interact with before you even touch it. So it kind of renders all these transaction simulation apps useless, even though it's part of our multi-layer defense. We'll still run a transaction simulation, even if the user, like the DGENs that we are, choose to continue anyway and omit all of the warnings. So much pride in that. I love it. Uh, B3 Nation, you see how it goes. This is your show. Step on in. The water is great. We have a few more minutes. We're going to use that time wisely. Um, I wanted to get one more topic in on the last few minutes here, talking about AI. And I need your help on this one because we're talking about American Express, Amex, who is also, uh, among other uses, planning on using AI for approving cards and lines of credit. Now, this is what I, when I read this, I always thought that things like request a, request a uh, increase on your credit card was their version of AI, right? I, I didn't always think that somebody was doing that by hand, or they're saying that they're going to use it for to validate transactions and approve lines of credit, analyze customer sentiment, wasn't a lot of that already done with some level of AI? Yes. Was it though, Rob? Or, or I mean, yeah. was it or was it data and and some level of machine learning prior to a generative? This so, I mean, was a generative AI announcement that they made. Sure. I mean, we yeah. If we go into the nuances of it, but if it, if you're looking at like AI, I mean, how much more? how much more data input is it going to have to make the same decision like if they don't want to lend to you they just change the parameters on the back end if they they want i'm going to say it and i'm if this is not financial advice do not go and buy anything but they just want the stock price to go up 10 percent Ooh, i know, it, I know. It, it, but, but but you know i mean the bigger the bigger question or the bigger debate and this is something that you know from the perspective of being a, a data industry participant for a long time We've been looking at trends of credit card companies and other lenders and extenders of credit looking to things beyond a credit score and a FICO score, which in my opinion is a massively antiquated measure 
of an individual's eligibility for credit, uh, be it a, a, a credit card or, or other form of consumer credit. And things like how th- this one's really interesting, Robin, perhaps you've seen this. Things like data around whether or not people keep their cell phone charged as as a measure of responsibility and credit eligibility. The types of websites – oh, absolutely. That, that And that, by the way, that's a three-year-old headline. I, I go and dig it up, but it's something that we covered at a Battlefield event at least three years ago. Things like what types of websites do people tend to traffic? What do they tend to follow? What type of – content do they tend to consume do they do they listen to things like bulls bears and blockchain or are they more focused on uh you know sports which nothing uh, bad against that of course um but as an indication of what people's sort of financial sophistication as indicators of their credit worthiness beyond just the fico score so mark when it comes down to tying blockchain technology along with all these data metrics you're telling me that they're going to be able to see where exactly everything is being spent what we're doing and then apply that weight against whether they want to loan uh, give out a loan or something against that well i mean so it's hard to give a broad yes or no to that because you you need to have opted in right for for you to have allowed or enabled American Express or any other third party to track your uh, data usage and your site visitation to that precise degree. If you have, which by the way, of course, they will ask you to do in the terms of use and the terms of service, uh, and not pointing out American Express right now, but any of the uh, agencies that extend credit, uh, be it credit cards or other consumer debt providers, they will ask you to enable and allow them to track that behavior online. And 100%, they will use that in terms of their evaluation of the credit that's already been extended to you and whether or not that should be uh, expanded or contracted, no doubt. And it's safe to say that with 99% of people, they're not going to read it and they're going to hit yes and allow either way. Well, so that's another great question. And there are a lot of sort of full and flair, full and fair disclosure components of things like CCPA, GDPR, uh, Rob will uh, proudly be the first to point out that it was the UK that was a leader in data privacy legislation with GDPR. There, there's quite a lot uh, in that legislation around not only making sure that consumers are made aware of what they're agreeing to and what they're not agreeing to, but making sure that it's not in six point font on page 398 of the terms of use, that it actually needs to, the most critical stuff needs to be on page one in 15 point font that even my dad can read in language that even my mom can understand to make sure that people in, in sort of a, a fair plain language, borrowing something from the SEC doctrine, plain language explanation of what people are signing up for. And we we see a trend towards that being adopted more, not less broadly. And that's part of one of the reasons why you see all these pop-ups every time you go to a website, because there's a trend towards bigger, larger, and more understandable disclosures. There you go. B3 Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in to this show, Beyond B3. We're going to do it again every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday for your calendar. Join us this Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern for Rob Nelson and the Market Masters bringing you the top headlines and everything you should know 
to get on with your day. This is Josh Carey, the hidden entrepreneur for Beyond B3. Do follow Get Rev Radio on Twitter Spaces so you never miss a moment. Take care. Be well.